Be'ezes Hashem Yisbarech, we will continue what we are learning in the Holy Letters of the Balatanya, letter number 12. The Shir is L'schus, before Shalema Fehinda Basta Berachel. When we are learning the letter about the act, the physical act and deed of charity, and then the act that's infused and invested with a tremendous service and energy of compassion. And the two different realities and modes of consciousness and transformational energies that are generated through these two type of life forces, where one, we are changing the world, we are bringing a peace into this world externally, because we are engaging in an external subjugation, and an external surrender of the world where I take my hand and I give a poor man charity. The externality of that is that it's just myself, my mind, my heart, my energy, my vitality, my obsession, the tremendous zest and vitality and enthusiasm can be elsewhere. Either it can be dormant to sleep or it can be elsewhere. But my actual hand hands the charity to the person. So in that sense, we have in a physical activity. The activity alone, the act alone is not invested. It's not infused with an enthusiasm. But nevertheless, we are creating a tremendous peace in the universe because poor man and rich man have united because giver and receiver have united and in that sense we have united the energies in heaven we're giver and receiver in heaven which means God's energies of giving and God's energies of receiving make a transformation in this world. And we're going deep into this idea that this peace on this world, even though it's external, but nonetheless it operates as the most magnificent purpose of the world being revealed. Because the goal and the purpose of this world is that giver and receiver should unite. In fact, as we explained multiple times, it's the fact that there's a receiver, that the giver has any significance at all. We have explained this in multiple senses. When there's a teacher and a student, it seems like the teacher is giving the student, but the student is giving the teacher far more than the teacher is giving the student. And the teacher's vitality, his energy, his novelty, his brilliance. He himself discovers it in a most profound way by teaching. He himself explores and develops untold revolutionary concepts by his students showing up and challenging him and listening to him. So the student 
although he's receiving, he's giving his teacher the ability to give him. He's giving his teacher the ability to go to the recesses of his soul. And the student will give back to the teacher far more than the teacher will give him. And the same thing in heaven. God has six energies, his kindness, his compassion. And those energies are not interacting with this world. And even if they do interact with this world, they do interact through the, through the glove of Gvura, through the glove of the illusion of this world, of Yabosha, of dry land. There is Yam, there is the world of the sea, which is similar to the heavens. And the heavens are similar to the throne of God. And the heavens are a glimpse of the multiverse. And the multiverse is the dimension of reality where God reigns supreme, with the selflessness, where a person is aware that there is no ego. Ego is an illusion of the mind. We are deep in this world. We are not in the water. We are not in heaven. We are not in the galaxies. We are definitely not in heaven. And we are definitely not in the multiverse. But when man goes deep into mental health, deep into Hasidic philosophy, he discovers that the ego is but an illusion. Life has no stifilization, meaning that life on its own never stops. You may take a camera and take a picture. And you may worship the picture and hold on to the moment, but life itself is movement, it's constant. You may... Be trapped by your ego and then be trapped by your spouse's ego and get involved in a tremendous vision of your spouse through your ego where your ego and your spouse's ego are communicating all the time, but you and your spouse never communicate, which is a tremendous illusion, an illusion that unfortunately traps many of us. Your child does something wrong, you label them as a bad child. Something that doesn't exist. Your child is a living, breathing, healthy child who has to go through katnas has to go through an immaturity of the mind and the heart and then develop one day into a wholesome person. But you label the child and then you glance and, gl- and re- react to the child based on one moment in time. And you say, could you believe what this child did? And label them and put them in a box which is your ego trapping your child in their ego. And the higher you go in the realms of consciousness, you get to see, even if you don't go out into the worlds, even if you don't go out into the spiritual worlds, the more higher you go into the deep mystical works of the Hasidic masters, you get to see that these are illusory things. These are products of the mind. They are completely illusory. But nevertheless, we live trapped in our ego all the time. And the greater a person works to refine his character, the greater he learns Hasidic philosophy, the greater he learns the Torah in general. The Torah allows a person to be free from the bondage, from the Mitzrayim, of this illusory Gates al this idea that I have my own separate sense of self. When I'm a living, breathing person, 
But I don't have a personality. The personality is an illusion. So we operate in this world through our personality. And our personality sees the world as a magnificent creation. But this is a limited, narrowed down version of life. It's a life that tries to hold on one moment in time, one moment of pleasure of the food, one moment of pleasure of a sunset, one moment of pleasure, where life is all that matters. Life itself, a person would give up all the pleasures just to live another day. But he doesn't live like that for real, because for the most part, you're trapped in your ego. And your ego wants just one moment of time, until your ego gets shattered one day. A person sees death in front of them, person sees what matters, they wake up from the illusion of the ego. And we are explaining that this is the radical idea of what the Holy Balatani is explaining over here. That when you give charity to another person, even if it's just my tzedakah, even if your ego is elsewhere, even if your soul, your vitality, your enthusiasm, but you've given, you've taken $100 bill, $1,000, and you've given it to the poor man. You've changed his life. You've made peace between giver and receiver. But you've essentially made peace between giver and receiver in heaven. Explains the holy Balatanya that in heaven, in the, beyond our ego, beyond the water, even the water is the vitality that this world, this dry land needs. Beyond the water, there's a heaven. And beyond the heaven, there is the spiritual heavens, where over there, there's no ego. Even in those heavens, there's six energies of God. God's kindness, God's compassion. But then there's one energy, which is Gvura energy, which is the limited, narrow-down energy. And that energy is what's used for all the other energies to flow through that energy. The creation of ego comes because God gives to this world through a system, a cycle of cause and effect. Mida connected mida. You work, you make money. You pursue your addictions, you'll end up decaying and rotting your body. Whatever you do, there'll be cause and effect all the time. To the point that life looks like it's been here forever and it will go on forever. But explains the Holy Balatanya that there is one energy in heaven. It's called the Malchus energy. It's called the feminine energy, the mother energy, the female energy. And while that looks like it's a receiver, that's actually an energy that takes from God's energies and brings it into this world. So God's energies are not interacting with this world. There's only one energy that's interacting with this world. God created this world through through Gvura energy, through energy of the gloves. Everything you see is really energy of life of God. Everything, the wind, the water, the life force of everything in this world, mineral, vegetable, animal, and human, it's all God's energy, but it's trapped. It's unknown. It doesn't see its source. And that's called Gvura energy, Midah Tzaddin. But then he gave an opportunity for Shittah, and he gave an opportunity for you to be a miraculous existence, to transcend, to rise above it all. 
And how will you be soichet to that? How will you merit that? How could you transcend? How could you rise above your ego? How could you rise above your addictions? How could you rise above your traumas, your darkness, your anxieties, your proclivities? How can you rise above the entrapment of the ego, which wants to stifle you out of life? Says the Ori Balatanya, if you make peace in, in this earth with the rich man and the poor man, something that's not natural. It's natural for the Jew, but it's not natural for the world. Because the world is, I made my money, I want to keep it for myself. I'm self-oriented, self-preserved, self-centered, and self-directed. But if you transcend that selfishness and you realize I'm only here for the poor man, he makes me, he's my significance. And we're equal in the eyes of God, and I'm just as poor as him. And you make a change in his life, then God says, my six energies that I usually don't interact with the world with, I will bring it in. Deep into this world. I will make peace between the giver and the receiver of the spiritual energies. And this is a very deep concept. But what is, what's always going on is this world is reacting. There's only Midas Haddin. Because Midas Haddin, Midas Hagvura, is God's energy of allowing this world to run the way it works. Without miracles, just nature, cause and effect, rich man and poor man. Where they have no relationship with each other. The rich get richer and the poor get poorer. The suffering of humanity. And the rich man doesn't realize that in his own suffering, in his own pettiness of not sharing his wealth, he will have anxiety. He will have all untold types of suffering. Because wealth, if you only have wealth, you're so poor that all you have is money. But how do we rise above that? Says the Holy Balatanya, when you make peace with a poor man, God makes peace with his energies and he rains down above from you, from heaven, that the life is no more cause and effect. You can transcend cause and effect. You can transcend and you can get God's compassion. And what does that compassion look like? Compassion means that you discover the core of humanity, which is compassion. You discover the core of God, which is compassion. You discover the core of life, which is you understand that the purpose of life is not just to pursue a lot of wealth and get another money, to have another meal, to be able to watch a sunset, to be able to have one moment of pleasure. You discover that the purpose of the Torah is to transform the world, to develop compassion. And you discover tefillah, which is prayer. And then you discover that you could be creator of the world through compassion. So it's the compassion alone, it's the maisa tzedakah alone, the unattached, unenthusiastic, limited action of giving a thousand dollars to a poor man, reluctantly, that will unleash on your soul a compassion of God, will unleash on your soul where God will make peace between his energies that usually don't interact with the world, but nevertheless you did an activity, he will bring that, those energies on you. And when those energies come on you, you're living just like everyone else, but it's a miraculous existence because you tap into the secrets of life. You tap into the secret, the mystery of life, which is not to squander your life. You transcend above the chet tzadas. You go above the idea of the illusion of the ego. Reluctantly, you gave charity. Maisatzadak, it was only activity. But even that alone, because that is the purpose of life, the reward will be that in your soul will shine the core and the purpose of life. And that's what he explains over here that how does that happen? That happens through prayer. 
And this is what we were going deep into the other day to understand the essence of prayer. And it's enormity that Avram Avinu, the whole entire prayer is based on Avram Avinu and Yitzchak and Yaakov. That Avram Avinu discovered first he worshipped like everyone else, the sun and the moon and the stars and all the light forces, the Nile River and this river and that river because they got their energy, their vitality from every different energy in the world, all the different ministers, all the different Rechavim, the astrological formations, and they worshipped. They had a, statutes of worship like the Holy Rambam says in Hilchas Avodis Kechavim Vechukaisayim that they would worship the stars until today they worship all the different energies, the God of the sun, the God of the moon. And where everybody saw gods in these energies, Avraham Avinu saw that they were mere creations. They were They were tools in the hand of the gardener, the creator of the world. And Avraham Avinu discovered that there must be a unifying force that unites everything in this world. And he ran around and he would missionize and go, oh, whoever would listen to him and explain to them there's a keiloilam. The God of the universe, all of the energy of the world is just the glimmers of the energy of God. You have to discover God. You have to bless God and pray to God and thank God. And he even set up a whole space of feeding people, feeding poor people, just so they could discover God. And they would be in the desert. They would come hungry and he would give them a scrumptious meal. And then he would say, who made this meal? Bless God. And if you wouldn't bless him, then he would charge you full price. Because his whole mission on earth was that everybody should discover God. And a big part of humanity, Avraham Avinu converted to monotheism. He converted them to understanding that there's one God. And that there's no multiple energies that are gods. The God of this and the God of that. And because Hashem saw because Avraham Avinu jumped in the fire for that God. He was ready to sacrifice his child because he discovered that God is the energy of the universe. Avram Avinu was promised that his grandchildren would get the holy land of Eretz Yisrael. And as we explained, this promise is so much more significant than what we imagine. It's not a promise that they're just going to have an act. They're going to be grandchildren of Avram Avinu. Because you discovered Kael Olam, because you discovered that God is the God of the world, I will allow all of your grandchildren to be Odom Adam and I will allow all of your grandchildren to be the nation where I'm going to dwell. Not just you're going to discover Kael Olam, that God is the God of the universe, but you're going to be able to bring me deep within you. My energies will become your energies. When me and you will become one, where I will be dwelling within you in your Beis Amigdash, in your Mishkan, in your own body, in your own temples, where through my Torah Mitzvahs, me and you will become one. And that is the awesome revelation that happened by Kriyas Yamsuf. How does that happen? Avraham Avinu was very bothered by the idea of the darkness of Golas that was going to come 410 years. But then he saw the vision of 600,000. He saw the vision of all the Jewish people, all of his great-great-grandchildren 
going on the journey out of Exodus, out of Egypt, and and a little maidservant on the water got a prophecy, got a vision. What even the holy Yecheskel, when he got big insight into heaven, didn't have. And this is the most magical idea because Abraham Avinu saw the energy of God and he gave up his life. He was tested with 10 tests to show that he had core faith in God. And each time God revealed himself to Abraham Avinu and Abraham Avinu wondered, how are my children going to get that? That's my reward. You're going to give it all to my grandchildren, the land. But then when he saw the vision of Kriyas Yamsuf, it made sense to him because each and every one of his grandchildren became Abraham Avinu at that moment. They all saw Keloilom. They all sang as Yashir. The same thing that Abraham Avinu discovered through 10 tests. The Jewish people through 210 years of suffering. And they held on to their name. They didn't. They had tremendous chesed as the Tanah of Elio said. They gave to each other. They did tremendous amount of faith when they were told when it got so bad and so tough. The Shamulukalecha, they still trusted Moshe Rabbeinu. They prayed and they screamed out to God and they had tremendous faith even though they were persecuted from every way. They discovered it. They discovered that God is the God of the universe, the energy. And they discovered that in a physical world. They actually saw all of the heavens were split, all the water, everything was split. And when Abraham Avinu was screaming to the world, don't worship the external. Look at the internal, it's God. Everything was split to the core. Every ounce of water, every single water was split. And all the heavens were split in the galaxies. And the Jewish people had true insight, true prophecy. True, through the water, they were able to divine. They were able to see that life on its own is the outside. But life was split. The body was split. And the souls were born. As the Holy Ariza says at that moment, the Jew discovered the Jew. When the clock struck midnight and the Mitzrayim died, the firstborn, they discovered who they were not. They were not their egos. They were not trapped. They were not a Mitzri. But who they were, they didn't know. But at the end of Pesach, by Kriyas Yamsov, they discovered who they were because the bodies were split to the core. They were able, everything became translucent. You saw the depth of the consciousness of the energy of God. And that is the same exact thing that we must do when we pray. Most of prayer revolves around Abraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, and Kriyas Yamsov. It's all about leading up to the Kshman Esrei, the Kriyashman, the Kshman the splitting our sea, which is discovering the Keloilam. It's not my product. It's not my business. It's not my intermediary. It's not my product that I'm manufacturing in China or the real estate deals or the deep, embeddedness of my talents. It's not my yodecha, it's not my intelligence, it's not my hard work that I'm going to put into my business, what's going to give the wealth, the reason why this Jewish nation is the wealthiest nation is because we have yivarechka, yivarechka b'momen, we get blessed by the koyanim, we make brachas every single day, we do the 18 brachas in Shemana Esrei, and this brachas bring down a tremendous wealth on us. It's not our takbulos. It's not that we are persecuted and thrown out of every country. That we can have this Israeli intelligence and somehow figure out how to be the richest in the world. It's not that we have zip codes. That are the wealthiest zip codes in the world. Tiny little nation with intelligence. It's because when we go into the place of davening, which is prayer, which is to discover the core, 
That is Kel Oilam. On the outside, it might look like there's a world. It's Yabosha. It's drowning out. It's Elikim. It's nature. It's drowning out the godly energy. But in prayer, we discover that God is the God of the world and the energy is God. And my future wealth and success is not dependent on how hard I'm going to work. It's dependent on my connection to God during prayer. It's dependent on us bringing down the Kriyas Yamsuf, Kasha Parnasosi, Kaodam Kriyas Yamsuf. How tough is going to be a prison's Parnasis Tolly in his Kriyas Yamsuf if he goes into davening and he realizes that it's all about Kaloilam, it's all about discovering that it might look like nature, but it's miraculous. It might look like nature, but can nature really explain why the Jewish nation is the wealthiest? It's only because we have Kaloilam, because we discover that in the world we keep the Shukhanarach, in the world we daven. Because we discover that what it looks like on the outside is just the clothing of Esav, but inside it's Koyol Kol Yakel. And that is the tremendous discovery that we have during davening. And this radically reframes and transforms a person's way of looking at davening, looking at the whole entire world, where he puts his energy and his enthusiasm into davening. And he puts his external energy into his business because the success of his business not, doesn't lie in the creativity of his product but it lies in the blessing that God will rain down on him in the blessing that is evoked from God through his prayer and that the Holy Balatanya explains over here that even if you do before prayer before prayer you give charity to the poor man and God says I will give you charity that I will rain my compassion down on you that when you pray you will discover the Kaloilam, you will discover that I am the energy of the world. And therefore you won't worship your business or your product. You won't have your anxiety that's involved in that. Your whole entire intention will be to me. And if you do Aboidus HaTzadok, if you obsess over compassion, then that won't leave you when you go to the workplace. It will be your obsession all the time. In fact, you won't even be focused on your business. You'll be focused on, on praying and you'll be focused on the money to give it to charity. And you'll be focused on the money so you can have free time to, to learn. And to do spiritual things to bring God into this world. And that is the awesome gift of the Hashkit Vavetach that you have through the obsession of compassion. And that is the tremendous revolution and revelation that he shares with us now. He says, now during Gullus, you might think prophecy is impossible. You might think Kriyasyamsov is impossible. You might think prayer is your reluctance. On the contrary, if you give compassionately, God will open you up. He will open your mind and heart to prayer. He will open up your energy. He will open you up to the real truth of Avraham Avinu, which is, His heart was pure because he discovered Kael Olam. And Avraham Avinu was a multi-millionaire. Yitzchak and Yaakov, they were all wealthy. Not because they understood real estate. When they understood in products. When they understood how to plant or to breed. But it's because they had Kael Olam, because they discovered prayer, because they discovered the Abishter. And when, the, when you discover the Abishter, he rains down on you. And when you're kind to another person, he rains down on you. And that is the awesome secret that he says with this letter. That it's the compassion alone that will wake you up to prayer. Who's interested in praying? Most of us are stifled by our ego, stifled by our business, our anxieties. But he says, but it's the act of charity and the obsession with compassion that will open you up to being free from the Chetet Sadas, to be free from Bezir's Kapechat from struggling so hard to try to tap into this Israel blessings. The Israelites were blessed, but they weren't blessed with intelligence that they would be able to create technology. They were blessed with prosperity. Prosperity coming from God. When you transcend, you live a miraculous life. And to understand this cycle 
The cycle itself is the blessing. Compassion, and then you're able to pray. And when you're able to pray, you discover God. And when you discover God, He rains down more blessing on you. So it's a never-ending, everlasting tranquility. And that's what He's saying. It's Hashkeg Vavetach. Ad Oilam.